0: welcome to Dietary Requirements, the Spin-Offs Food Podcast, Core Simon Day toko ingoa. and I am your host. As always, I'm joined by the Spin-Offs Food Editor, Alice Neville. Kia ora, Alice. Kia ora, Simon. And this is a very special episode of the podcast because it's very much a family affair, as well as co-host Sophie Gilmore. Our guests this month are Sophie's mum, Emerald. Hi, Emerald. Simon. And her sister Mimi, who will be barging into the studio later. The three of them form a formidable family dynasty in the hospitality scene. Emerald uh, was responsible. <gasps> Here she is Mimi. right Hi, now. Mimi. Come on. Come on.
2: Hello, Mimi Gilmore. You're meant to be Mimi much later, Gilmore. Before.
0: Mimi's come from an obstetrician appointment.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. She's having a baby. We're having another baby. Yay.
0: I love how it's the um, collective now. Right, yeah, I'll be fine. Sorry. Emerald was probably responsible for Auckland's most decadent decade uh, in,
2: in the hospitality scene with Club Mirage and Clichy. Is that right? That's correct, Simon. 1972, and I was... Oh. Giving my age away here. <laughs> Twenty-one years old, and we opened the door on Clichy, downtown, in what was it? It was next door to the uh, the bus station then, and it's now the fabulous Britomart Centre of Auckland.
0: And a, a building you inherited, Mimi.
3: Yes, um, the first Mexico that we ever opened actually was in what was um, Clichy, and then later Tatter and Spectator Bar when we were younger. Mm, oh, no. Very so
0: serendipitous Initially a fine arts student uh, Mimi disobeyed Emerald's uh, mm. Strong <laughs> advice not to go into hospitality um, It'll be the ruin of you girl <laughs> <laughs> Well it hasn't Which is no, really exciting No, still
3: going Started in it. Sydney Yes Well I started in Auckland actually I worked in hospitality all through uni And from the age of 16 And then worked for Mark Warbank for a very long time um, And Melissa And that was a lot of fun. And then I went to Sydney, worked in advertising, and then fell back into hospitality and events. And here I am still.
0: It's kind of your calling.
3: It is my calling. It's definitely hospitality is my, my life's passion, mixed with a bit of
1: creativity, you know? Yes. So Mimi is now, of course, the brains behind Burger Burger. And one of the brains. <laughs>
4: yeah. there's a, there's a few. I was going to say, how would that go Yeah, down there's, a few, there.
3: there's a few of us now. I've yeah. ma- I
0: made that mistake previously when writing about Mexico as well. Get, get a lot of credit. Look, Does she's many. the
3: only one
1: here. So.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, there's a lot of moving parts as well, I'm sure we'll discuss in the restaurant game. And um, I definitely have passion for food and strength in the creative areas. Um, but some of the more you know serious but crucial areas like numbers and other such things um, I have some other experts that help me with that <laughs>
0: it, always, it always helps yeah and you all know Sophie but I don't think we've done a proper history Sophie and I um, started out in hospitality pretty much a similar Together. time at, at Chibo working for Jeremy Turner um, causing lots of trouble and having lots of fun uh, like Mimi Sophie's root uh, t- back into a career in hospitality was sort of colorful. She was a lawyer before um, opening uh, Bird on a Wire with her husband David and cousin in law, Rico, Ooh, and yeah. very good friend and, and ex boyfriend, just for a little bit of Ooh. extra complication, <laughs> ben, ben, ben Grant, yeah, um, home squad. <laughs> which they sold last year.
5: Yes, in March last year.
0: After five years of very hard work?
5: Yeah, it was uh, six years,
0: woe to go, but I was in the business working full time for four. And guess probably try and forget about the Nina takeaway period, or was that a highlight?
5: <laughs> oh, no, a- absolute highlight. Yeah, that was kind of one of the funniest few months of my life.
0: So before Bird on a Wire was Bird on a Wire, it was a uh, historic... Ponsonby Road late night takeaway joint called Nina's Takeaways. And that was briefly staffed by all our friends. And when we took over,
5: the lost property drawer was full of wallets and driver's licenses <laughs> that belonged to all of our friends. <laughs> yeah. So it was obviously like the place that everyone would go at the end of the night and just lose all their stuff when they were <laughs> drunk on their way home. But it was. <laughs> and get a burger. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious once we took over, sort of deep frying. Everything from paper plates to whole chickens,
0: <laughs> and now Voila. Sophie is the boss of uh, Delicious Business. How would you describe Delicious Business? I think of it as a as a sort of a hospitality consultancy. That
5: yeah, look, I'm working on the on the elevator pitch. I it's the aim of the game is that it's a full service hospitality consultancy. So um, there's me and three others that are the kind of founding members, and then we've got other consultants that we work with. Mm. And the idea is that we can go into a restaurant that is um, struggling and help them figure out why they're struggling. Or we can um, help someone that's starting up a restaurant get all their ducks in a row and execute the practical side of it. Um, and the other half of the business outside of the consultancy is to host food talks and teach people how to cook and have awesome parties and do supper clubs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes it's just
3: awesome. areas that they might have weaknesses in, though, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people go into hospitality and it's a multifaceted faceted business, and more often than not, their strength is the creative aspect of it because that's where their passion is. And, and it's, it's what, a dream, yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing that often lets them down is the lack of understanding in the other areas. So a complete I think,
2: lack of understanding in many, many cases yeah, well, of the legal requirements, of so their financial yeah. management. Uh, yeah. they, they have the dream, uh, how it will look, what yeah. wonderful food they'll produce. Sure. I always and thought- nothing else. I always
0: thought running a cafe, bar, or restaurant was the fastest way to make a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the
4: fastest way to lose a billion dollars. Walking the past. Yeah. yeah, that's where you went wrong. Very funny.
0: Uh, and, yeah. and on top of the Gilmore Girls, uh, we have a... Um, sixth d- degree of connection today with a group of Dio, um, Auckland Dio School students mm-hmm. who have joined us in the podcast. They're actually from Sophie's husband's class. Oh. So this is a crazy family affair today. <laughs> Hi, girls. How are you?
4: So
1: th- <laughs> Hi, Mr. Day. There's,
0: there's three groups of them, so they're going to come and go from the podcast. Um, so don't be alarmed when you hear feet moving and doors opening and closing. We're just going to um, continue on with it. But we wouldn't be here without the support of our wonderful sponsors, Freedom Farms. So a quick shout out to them. They believe that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how that animal has been farmed. And they're dedicated to providing you with the best pork, free range chicken and eggs. Mm. They're really, really great. Ask them, ask for the product at the supermarket if they don't stock it and buy it if they do. Um, Final piece of housekeeping. Unfortunately, after sarcastically joking throughout the episode last month that we were going to set off the fire alarm while Al Brown was cooking us fritters, mm-hmm. when he left, we did set off the fire alarm, and uh, we got in a little bit of trouble for using the camp stove <laughs> as a non-approved uh, piece of cooking equipment in the office building. So that's been sent home. Boo. Yeah, that's quite
5: gutting. I'm just
0: looking around. Oh, there is a sensor in here. It was actually Alice. It um, was me, okay. Alice I started hey. cooking some fritters and then went to check some emails and you know. When
1: I left listened- no, I, I came I left for like 10 seconds to start cleaning up in here and I thought you you know I thought Simon had his eye on <laughs> fritters but when I left
0: I here I get told off if I interfere with people's cooking.
5: <laughs> and listened Good. to the when I listened to the podcast that once it had gone live last time, there was probably three or four times during it that Simon kept on saying, Oh, if we but if we set off the fire alarm, it'll be funny. Yeah. But but if we set off the fire alarm it'll be funny and then the fire alarm goes mm. off. I was hosting the Burger Burger Blind Dates around the corner. The entire building was evacuated. It was an absolute right. and it turns out it three wasn't fire funny. trucks turned up. And
3: the fire, they have, the, they have oh to go through goodness. the full. They have, they have to go through the full process of and there's double quite checking a everything. Significant
2: fine involved, yes. Is there yes. Not? yes Duncan, we, we, we don't have too to uh, wear that it.
0: yet. You've as, talked too um, out of that. <laughs> of. Well, the fireman God took work. me aside, and he wasn't angry; he was disappointed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. But well, we're not allowed to cook anymore. We can definitely still eat and Yay. drink. We initially thought we'd discuss how to make a perfect cup of tea. Um, but that didn't seem very Emerald Gilmore. So we've got a bottle of Prosecco. Oh,
4: oh. yeah. Um. Yes. That's better, Simon. And <laughs> <laughs> like the
5: it. discussion about it, um, Simon said, Does Emerald drink tea? And before I had a. Opportunity yeah. to, to respond. Alice said, I always imagine Emerald only drinks yeah. champagne.
1: <laughs> From dawn till dusk. I Actually, both of you are big tea
3: drinkers. It always surprises me that you're both very particular about your tea in the morning. I love tea. First
5: thing every morning oh, and the last thing see, every love night. Coffee. And
0: just like Jacinda Ardern, Emerald hates Earl Grey.
2: Um, anything other than your... In your basic gumboot tea. Mm, but the, my, the fear of my life would be lapsing Souchon or Earl Grey's She's she basic. Second. She actually mm. means Dilma,
3: which is not that basic. But
2: Why? Why? <laughs> I just don't understand how, what you would have against
5: Earl Grey tea. It's so delightful. Well, we chose
0: Prosecco over tea, Earl Earl tea, so let's not go down a yeah. tea yeah. rabbit hole.
3: Okay.
0: Um, and we've also just uh, arrived at one of my favourite uh cooking food seasons which of course is hot cross bun season there goes one round of girls Hi girls, Hi girls. Hi girls. Hi. 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 and then comes Kaki another dish. yeah and so it's hot cross bun season which is uh, a very favorite of mine I love hot cross buns
3: I don't know why this I'm isn't mainly a vehicle them. for butter
0: without well, I had just
5: a
3: yeah just I the don't spice,
0: know hey. this spice Slightly savouriness, the very sweetness
5: Hi gal. of it. Hi, girls. Uh, we've
0: got raisins.
5: In comes like the next raisins. group of diet, girls.
1: Hello, you girls. You can sit on the ground if you like, girls. Yeah, just come in. Simon, did you decide I wasn't allowed a Prosecco?
0: No, I passed you the bottle and you were to do with it what you will.
4: Oh, yeah. no, we're, just down.
5: we're, here. Just we're just the bottle.
2: Here we are. Here's a cup you can put the water in. Nah, it's oh, okay. No, it's okay. That's okay. No. That's
5: Everyone just your water and filled <laughs> up the <friseco. laughs> Of course
2: <laughs> I did. So apart from that yeah. one cup of tea, I do drink champagne all day, Alice. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. you're Excellent. not far off. No, pleased to hear it.
0: So throughout the episode, we're going to munch on some hot cross buns as the first part of the spin-offs um, power ranking of Auckland's hot cross buns oh. over uh, the Easter period. These are from our friends beneath the office at Mian um, who do incredible baking and chocolate the scent of which wafts into our windows and yeah. can make it very, very oh, hard it's to work. And
3: gelato, I just went in there to get a coffee, and I was like, "Is it too early to eat gelato?" <laughs> you're pregnant. You can do it. I life. know. No, I did that last time and turned into a whale. <laughs> 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 this time, on she looks at me and she's like, "I hope eating those almonds." Mm, mm. Thank Almond you. This <laughs> was something
0: I actually wanted to talk to you about, Mimi, and seeing as you have brought it up, we'll move straight into okay. it. Okay. Do, have you had um, any weird pregnancy cravings for, for for certain um, types of
3: food? Yeah, you, I mean, yes, but not as much as I think I... I think last time I thought that I really wanted to have them, so I was looking for them. And this time, quite early on when I was quite sick, I was really obsessed with tomato and toast. And I just got this, like... And um, I got from Sabato this, like, caper, um, like it was like a Sweet. caper pesto kind of thing and I just honestly ate about three jars of it and like every tomato under the sun on Vogel's with lots of butter yeah. that's oh. basically all I ate for weeks
2: mm. which um, um, last time it was Kit Kats is all she ate for
3: yeah. weeks <laughs> when, I, when I was it with Olympia I had like a, literally a drawer on my desk at work that just it would wait for Countdown to sell them for like a dollar a Kit Kat and just fill up my drawer. Nice. snatching <laughs> so natural. bad oh. Emerald. Um, do you mean it no mm-hmm. I'm yeah so in no, just to be to be honest, this time I'm actually craving like health, like healthy fresh food more than. Thank you so. But maybe healthy. it's something Silver to do with the time, of tart the time tart the year as for all. dinner
2: tonight. So that's lucky. I oh, am yeah. mm. healthy. So you're dining yeah. together. We are. We so, are.
0: So when I think of um, the Gilmore family, the first thing I thing I think of is eating together, both as a family, but then welcoming a much broader uh, extension of that idea of Farno. Into your meals, which has obviously included me. Um, you've taught me a lot about food, especially, you know, all three of you, but especially you, Emerald. I remember um, digging for potatoes at Waiheke, being sent to the Auckland fish market because the prawns at the supermarket uh, did not qualify for your linguine.
2: We I mean, were up <laughs> <Tough> to scratch. <laughs> um,
0: has food always been a part of the Gilmore life? Is um, it part of your parenting?
2: Um, Yes, yes, definitely. And I became obsessed with food quite early on in my life because uh, my father was in um, the Air Force and we moved backwards and forwards to Singapore several times. One of those times involved us spending about a month living in a hotel. And uh, my mother was a very ordinary cook. And then here I am, and given a menu and allowed to choose, and this delicious food came to me. <laughs> and it was that that moment my life changed. And probably the girls, since, uh, you know, it, it, it spills on. Yes.
5: I can see mm. that as a little girl, that you get given a piece of paper and you get to choose what you want and then the food gets delivered oh, yeah. to you. That Amazing. does feel quite life-changing.
3: Mm. I think that we were always just – I think everyone always encouraged us to be involved in mm. cooking um, and – I think also we were encouraged from a very young age to sit down and share a meal with each other. So Sophie and I sat down and set a table and lit a candle and we had this mini table and it would become an occasion. And if obviously, as we got older, we would have done it as a family always. And I think that's something that I'm definitely most passionate. I mean, I love delicious food, but I think for me, hospitality is a, is that moment of people sitting around a table and you know, stopping the world stops and you have you talk to each other and that's I think yeah, what you sharing. ingrained in us from a very young age is just is to use that occasion to share it with people that you love and that you want to have have those conversations with. So And often you don't mm.
5: necessarily feel like you've got the energy for it or it seems like it's not something that's on the top of your list of things to do, but every time you do you feel Mm. Grateful. There's always a good conversation and everyone always mm. walks away feeling better. And I was just thinking when Simon said that before, you know, you two are having dinner tonight together. Last night Mimi cooked dinner for David and I and one of our other friends, Clifton. So it's definitely something that we all share. Mm.
2: It, it, that's how you sh- – uh, the, re- the quote, Emerald. Yes. It's the perfect yes. one, o- Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Oscar Wilde, I said to Simon earlier, I'd remembered an Oscar Wilde quote. After a good dinner, one can forgive anybody anything, mm, even true. one's own relatives. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so. so true, yeah. And I think it's funny watching my husband's family. Um, I think when I turned up on the scene, I mean, they, they definitely like to share occasions, but food for them was just a fuel and, you know, I've been there now around them for six years and to see that their interest as a family has just slowly grown and what we're eating and how we're eating and them even experimenting and then getting, like, his little, cu- one of his, he's not that little anymore, 16-year-old cousin says that he his favorite time of the whole year is Christmas
2: time when I cook <laughs> the big family yeah. dinner. It's, it's sharing nice. love, really, isn't yeah. it? It sounds a bit corny, but, um, you know, the door is always open and everyone is welcome. Yeah. You share the love that you have for the um for the people in your life was tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> going mad. I
4: didn't <laughs> yeah. Well, Mimi
0: Mimi was doing it just yeah. before as well, which yeah. is why I think it's so cool that the three of you turned a passion for both food and drink, but also giving that to other people into, into careers, and I, I think you've all um, been a part of very distinct pieces of uh, Auckland's hospitality scene. Emerald, I'm especially fascinated by yours because I wasn't
3: yeah.
0: Actively participating. Oh, no, I, oh, no I, was yeah. like boor, I was born for some of it, right. but I definitely wasn't actively participating in Club Mirage.
4: Yeah, no, like, sound like a hoax. What was it like? Well, ah, people
0: have described it as Auckland, a on the wall. Auckland yeah. Studio Fifty Four. Is that close? Well, mm.
2: and yet still, people will say that to me. There hasn't, um, there hasn't been a really decent nightclub since then. Oh, mm-hmm. but it's often said, um, and I'll take that.
4: Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: We opened Clichy as I said. Very, I was very young, uh, 21, and by the time I was 27 or 8, we were getting a bit tired and, uh, and bored. And, you know what? What's next? What's next? Went to London. Went to a nightclub called Annabelle's, mm-hmm. which was terribly smart, Stella. and we fully got delusions of grandeur right then and there and came home and worked on Club Mirage. And it was sophisticated. It was very sophisticated. And yet it was... uh, We also... (laughs) We also had... The first flashing, colourful dance floor. Ooh. It was disco time. Wow! <laughs> um, so the late, later part of the evening. Um, those are awesome. Let's bring those back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, I they you, had I one actually, of those in
0: Dunedin.
3: Did you ever see? monkey bar. I actually recreated um, Club Mirage in Bredermat. Um, for a for party. One, for one you? weekend. Yeah. Because yeah. when I first met Peter Cooper, the only thing that he wanted to talk to me about was the years of his days in Clichy yeah. in Club Mirage. Like he, that he was just so excited to and be I feel able like to. We
5: spent our whole lives yeah. listening to people's stories about yeah. yeah. those. <laughs>
3: and and so then we recreated it, the full dance for the palm trees. I mean, I think it was different to what we think a, a nightclub is now. It was very glamorous and had a very strong kind of theatrical theme and it was very it was majestic. Just, it, was enter, it was
2: very sort of. It Entity, was sophisticated.
3: It, it, of, you had to get dressed up. Mm.
2: Uh, yes, it was
3: sophisticated. Allowed, and it. people drank
2: champagne all, all from the moment they arrived Wait, to
4: the moment can they, you they tell left. tell me a story?
3: That there was a dress code, and Emerald would stand at the door and um, check everybody off. And someone turned up in jeans. One,
2: <gasps> no, yeah, who, who was it? now Jeffrey think? Hoey? That oh, was his, his name. It. I remember. <laughs> so, so we had a little peephole at the door at the top of the stairs. Look through. There's Jeffrey Hoey jeans on. So I opened the door and I said, "Jeffrey, you know that there's a dress code and I can't let you in because I've previously stopped five or six other people coming in for this reason. And uh, he said, OK, well, I can sort that out and just stood there and took his jeans off. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Awesome. And you still know Jeffrey. <laughs> well, I, I just don't, I haven't... Seen him for a long time. Uh, I hope he's um, uh, not listening to this. (laughs) Still taking his pants off in public.
4: Yes. Do
3: you know what I always
5: think is quite interesting about the beginning? I was thinking about the beginning of food being such a big part of our lives. Is that I've moved house recently, and we go back through like stories from when you were little at school, and all of my stories are about what I ate. (laughs) It'll literally be like we went to a restaurant. Alice had the spaghetti carbonara, <laughs> Mimi had the spaghetti bolognese, and it will just be a list of what everyone ate, and then it says the end, like there's nothing else happens in the story. So obviously we've just been a little piggy from the beginning.
0: <laughs> it's always great when food means so much more than sustenance, though it's, it's so important that it can be a part of um, socialisation and... Mm. and events and... But also,
3: I think, you know, I think it's we've seen trends change over the last years and, like you said, with Freedom Farm, you know, like I think that being conscious of the fact that it is, you know, something that we need in life but something that we enjoy and that there's... A very layered process and bringing that to our plate. And I think it's been really mm. wonderful over the last few years that people are starting to think, you know, outside of it's not just something you buy at a supermarket and it lands on your plate and you eat it because you need it to survive, you know?
2: You should understand the effort that goes into producing wonderful fruit and vegetables, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, it's very, and even very like, hard. you know, like Stephen
3: always says to me, I don't he goes, I don't know why, how you do that, you know, because I'll often spend an hour and a half. I sort of indulge myself on in the weekends, obviously, because I have more time. But I will go out of my way to, you know, cook things that might take an hour and a half, two hours, and you can see how generations in, you know, Europe, whether these mothers would spend full days, you know, making yes. pasta from scratch, and
2: you know, but all it's just, day, every day was spent gathering ingredients to make food and the making of it. That was yeah. the traditional way. For- and now
3: we just, I mean, we spend so much time rushing around, don't we? That um, I do think it's nice that there's elements of it that we're paying more attention to, whether yeah. we do it ourselves necessarily. But there are choices that you can make in what you purchase along the way. Or, yeah, whether we... you
2: buy your food from RIPE, we have the most wonderful, wonderful salads, yes, don't they? I call them my yes. wife. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: <Why laughs>
5: the one RIPE for, um, The biggest takeaways for me um, out of and um, when I went to the cookery school last year was that exact thing about being, they basically, the people that run it, one day there was this tomato on the plant and the woman that owns Belly is called Dorina Allen and she practically burst into tears she said oh it's just so thrilling isn't it don't you feel like giving thanks to mother nature or something <laughs> you know and she was just so grateful for the produce that was there and i think that part of the effort and energy that we put in and the time that we put into food there felt like it was giving it the justice that it it's
3: actually deserves. a lot harder than it looks i attempted a vegetable garden this summer mm-hmm. and it was like having another child yep. yeah. and there were a lot of things that I did not know and <laughs> I was really hard failed miserably but then I, I think herbs definitely are my strong point I'm yeah.
5: Girls you could tease Mr. Holmes about his uh, corn harvest ask him how that's going <laughs> yeah. I think the plan was for there to be about 12 plants and there might be about 4 left. Mm. Mm.
1: I've produced about oh, yeah. 5 cherry tomatoes this summer And your life. Yeah. Alice congratulations summer, yeah. Alice yeah,
2: so um, so, um, so curious croppers, these yeah, really fascinating people, run the Tringhams money. have got a wonderful crop yeah, of I've tomatoes re- going on out the in that They're going to be Please. my
3: lifetime supplier of tomatoes after my tomato harvest this summer. The the bye
5: girls. bye, bye, bye girls. girls! The next lot going out and the next lot coming in. They, yeah, look, they look
1: overwhelmed with just Joy and <laughs> delight.
0: You know, it's not often you're in the presence of four ge- five geniuses.
1: Their uh, <laughs> brains could really are completely
2: <laughs> 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 underwhelmed, <laughs> did you say? I <laughs>
1: said overwhelmed. Inspired.
2: Hi, girls. Yeah. Hi Hi girls. girls. Here's another bat. I will sit on the ground girls? or else will get sore.
5: Yeah, and I, look, I think that the, um, the, the nicest thing about um, the fact that we get to talk about food on this podcast. And I remember writing it in one of my stories for the spinoff when I was at Belly Malo is that I've always kind of felt silly about the emphasis that I yeah. place on food in my life, <laughs> like more than your average person. And it's just so wonderful to be in the company of people that feel the same way. Yeah, well, I think yeah.
0: it's growing, though. There's a there's an increasing understanding of, um, like Mimi just talked about, the, the huge amount of effort. And energy and resource and the sacrifice that yes. you know people and animals are making yes. mm. for us to for us to live and to eat well.
1: Mm. And that's important. Mm. And that food and cooking isn't always just sort of some frivolous pastime. It's actually really important in all kinds of cultures and it Brings people together.
2: Yeah. In all sorts of ways. In terms in of, of sustenance, yeah. yes. But also in terms of hospitality and, yeah. and bringing together what
3: it's, we said. It's kind of hmm. ceremonial, isn't it? I mean, it's very, ceremonial. it's very, Good word. It's very, it, yeah, in every culture it exists. It's like yeah. music, ritual, you know, yeah. it's like this language never that just, just brings fuel. I think um, I read a chef... Who said once that, um you know, we're all t- created equal and we sit around a table, and I thought that was really wonderful. There is just something about, you know, and yes, sometimes you laugh and you, sometimes you fight. It's sometimes the right you tell jokes, you disagree, no, it but, it's, but it's this level There's something very leveling about it. We, we all
5: eat and we all love it. Yeah, we talk yeah. about that. At Everybody eats it. It's like the great social equalizer. Everyone's yeah. got to eat.
3: True. Mm-hmm.
0: Mimi, you were part of a very. Um, important um, moment in Auckland's uh, hospitality history as well, yeah. which was the rejuvenation of Britomart. Yes. Um, I
3: think I turned up at the right time at the right place, <laughs> which was um, a lot of fun. And um, I, as I said earlier, I, um, Peter Cooper is a New Zealand um, businessman who's been very successful internationally, but his passion was to rebuild this area of Auckland and he had a very intense um, intentional kind of plan in place and um, I came back from Sydney for what I, for what I thought would be temporary to um, temporarily sorry to run the food show for the rugby world cup Right. and in the process I met three gentlemen who had started a nightclub and um, another bar in Britomart and I think they very quickly realized that I knew a lot about food and they didn't. You and were the that, missing link. And, there. They knew, knew <laughs> and, and they knew a lot yeah. about
5: bars. And they knew a lot about
3: bars and that maybe that would be a match made in heaven. And so we um, joined forces and did district dining in uh, Britomart as well as we ran the Nathan Club, which is where we recreated the nightclub oh. for um, during the cup. And then uh, we opened Mexico. Um, the first one. The first one. I remember that one. In the same. The best one. Building in the same place <laughs> that my mother had had her restaurant in twenty years old earlier. Thirty first? years. Thirty earlier. years the first Isn't that
4: one.
5: Serendipitous. Yeah. I and think that, that that time when I think about it now, and I was speaking to someone about it yesterday, we were. Living together then, Simon at the time we had a flat on Franklin Road but it honestly must have been auckland's biggest party or either that or we were just right <laughs> yeah. amongst it. I felt like I we were go was out- a big
3: turning point for um the hospitality scene in New- in New Zealand and especially Auckland because. I think the Rugby World Cup was such a significant, um, inf- you know, event in bringing international guests. And I think we all kind of, I think there was a sort of like, oh, we better, you know, put put on a good show. And it was the first time it sort of had an, an injection of attention. And also, I think, you know, first I mean. First time genera- since,
2: the, since the America's Cup when they opened up the Yeah, yeah. and also yeah, just, yeah. I
3: think, you know, generations. I mean, there was a, this whole th- time where there was, everyone would, leave Auckland and I think a lot of us came back and there was a lot of it was kind of the beginning of when people sort of started thinking oh actually maybe I'll hang around this could be mm. cooler
1: it all <laughs> happened when I I lived in London over that time and yeah. I was only away for two years but then I came back and was like oh my god when did the, all this happen like it, the change was yeah nice. it was and that very was fast and yeah, and yeah that was, was Britomart yeah. yes yes Bridamart I mean, and remember I coming think, home um,
0: the Sky City Precinct yeah the and
1: Ponsamy Centrum and stuff I'm sure was that open around that time about maybe? that time maybe about that time it just
0: was an explosion, wasn't yeah. it? but it went from um, dining out well, being both very expensive and a little bit uptight. Yes. Mm. Where you thought a for a nice meal, it had to be fine dining, in quotation marks, to you could go out to Mexico with a big group of friends and have.
5: The
3: tacos were $6. The fish tacos as yeah.
0: well. And the fried chicken. And, yeah.
3: It was, and the beecher dip. Like it was so in, good. And the chequina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lived in Sydney for five years um, in the lead up to that. And Sydney, you know, was saturated with these really densely focused, creative offerings that were... Highly affordable, therefore regularly visited, Mm. and um, Mexican definitely was his favor of the moment over there. And we, when I came back to Auckland, you know, I, I guess I just talked about that and I was like, why are we not doing that? Because, um, you know, and we talked about we doing Mexico and we thought we'd give it a whirl, and within like, yeah, two weeks. It was nuts. We it's had like doubled a 2 our hour
5: waiting hour. I basically
3: didn't sleep List. for about three years. But I think <laughs> it was um also Javier who was our who we found to be the chef was A really, really talented um, um, man and Carmona, right? He just launched his own. He's amazing. Indian street food, street food.
2: Yeah, I think he's
3: definitely one of the most talented chefs I've ever worked with. Really, has this um, and his background is he's you know his family is Spanish, so he really you know um, I mean Warren also helped with the first menu for Mexico. To be fair, that is Warren's. fried chicken recipe which people still talk to me about yeah, <laughs> yeah. day. um but i think i think you're right simon i think it was cost effective it was so immersive in every way you know i mean brendan who is actually yeah, it about so to help themed. me with a new restaurant was just this master of color and there was just so much intensity and it was kind of a yeah. bit too hot and a bit too crammed and the music was loud asked, and the food um, was delicious
5: paper mache posters um, that you'd put in frames that you bought off trade me, and then shellacking over them and tea staining things, and like it was mm. a massive arts and crafts project too. <laughs> but I also just, like the the that was the beginning of smart casual. We
3: only yeah. had um, it was if Mexico kind of did that right. Yeah, and we only had. Everyone was like, hey, this is awesome." Smart food, but
0: pretty casual everything else, which was the yeah the best part. But
5: That's- you used to go out for dinner in Auckland on a Monday night, and it would just be absolute tumbleweed. And I think that the difference now with. is that it's like the restaurants are full all yeah.
3: The time. yeah,
4: But
3: it's you're awesome. right, Simon. I mean, what we took was, you know, decades of experience in kitchens with food and applied all of that knowledge to humble,
2: affordable street
3: food in a way. So, but you know, I'm feeling like, slightly think-
2: crushed here because I think there are pivotal moments in a city where things do uh, improve enormously. Yeah. And for example, cliche, <laughs> um, it. Uh, was the right place in the right time, as mm. you said, about Mexico too. And we were booked out every lunch and every dinner for 10 years until we sold it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it was a casual place. It was based, obviously, on a French bistro. Um, yeah, you said it was closest um, to Coco's Cantina kind yes, of vibe. Yes, today. Well,
3: outside it of the European Cantina. kind of everyday meat and three, not, not it, meat and three veg, but that sort of very sti- European style of food. up restaurants. It like was Mexico of that. was you know, something that was ethnically driven yes. and I don't think, you know, I mean, yes, we've also had a lot of great Asian food in New Zealand because we have, you know, a great Asian population that contributes to that but I think it was, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. It was sort of a very modern experience with delicious food at a good price. It just hit the right point at the right time and as Sophie said, it was off the back of the cup so people were just pumped from that and it just, yeah, it was the did, right place, right did time. Did you see
0: that same, tre- was it, a trend that you identified that made you inspired to open Burger Burger as well?
3: Yeah. So I guess yes. off the back of Burger Burger, um, um, sorry, of Mexico, I had learnt, obviously, there was a price point that people were willing to spend um, regularly. So I think what we saw in Mexico was people who were coming almost weekly. Um, and just, top, just topping him all up. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Everyone and, would
5: like to keep track of her drinking. 5 to 12. Sure. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, and also that there was... Um, an appetite for people to be able to sit in a dining environment and enjoy that affordable food. So I think traditionally most burger joints in Auckland at the time were takeaway. Mm. Um, mm. And so I just had also, we had tested it, we well, had yeah, tested, we had a, another burger. Um, Offering in Sydney that we had also opened, but it was much more casual again. And so I kind of took what I'd learned from Mexico, which was people wanted to love, wanted to come and sit down and eat around a table. And there was a price point that they'd be willing to do that regularly. And we took, and then we absolutely put
2: that into, delicious and
3: absolutely yeah. fresh every single day. Every single day. So we were obsessive about, I guess, I just blew my mind that like there were still just big, bready bun burgers. Yeah. You know, with overcooked patties and I was like, mm-hmm. surely we can. <laughs> See, girls, you don't yeah. want bread do buns; you want brioche yeah, buns. Yeah, you
4: spent a <laughs> long, long time developing your buns. They add you?
3: almost brioche, but they are. Uh, um, treated almost like a sourdough so they have a buttermilk in them I think mm-hmm. we well, didn't want to make them too eggy and rich yeah but they are the same texture as a brioche so mm-hmm. we obsessed about the bun we obsessed about the beef patty and the aim of the game was can sit down have a burger and a beer and some fries for 20
1: bucks nice that was what that was where we started didn't you have and, some issues with um trying to cook the patties medium rare and the not too later. Health. So yeah. MPI
3: yeah. about two years yeah. ago kind of flagged that because anything that is – because our even though our beef patties are 100% beef, yeah. they're still technically processed because they're minced. Mm. And the concern is that when they go through that mincing process, the surface of the meat – Heats up slightly and then you put it back together again and cool it down. Um, and MPI, I think there's been some outbreaks of certain bacteria um, internationally in some burger chains. Right. And I think they were sort of like preempting <sighs> that. But I mean, we don't have. What's MPI?
4: Ministry, Ministry of Primary and Industry. industry. No. <laughs> what do they have to do? So they, they, make, their, they make
2: everything up every day, all their patties. It's minced every day, started every day, and somebody called MPI can step in over the top of the restaurateur and tell them MPI's how they can cook job, their food. MPI, what, MPI what actually, actually talked
3: directly to the council, and the council then enforced what MPI's recommendations have been to them. So yeah. I think... I think
5: you know, it's part of it a g- bigger mandate about food safety.
3: And it, I think yeah. that... I
0: miss so. my medium rare burger. Honestly, burger it's ridiculous. No, we, it's if
3: you request it, it, we request it, we can do it yeah, now. I mean, I think there was such an uproar um, in the industry that we Had, had to compromise about it. Yeah, right. Bureaucrats
2: yeah. can't tell you how to cook food in your own so restaurant. Our, yeah, we have. Well, we they'll, they'll, they'll try. <laughs> we have. Well, put, what are we getting yeah. to we if they can, Simon?
3: So Not just food control plan <laughs> I'm moving them. um through the council now. And so that just makes sure that we are testing, you know, meat temperatures and how we're refrigerating them and you know we've never made anyone sick of the back of our meat pads, No. So.
0: so this is a really big year for you, Mimi. Yes. You're having a baby and you're having a whole bunch of meat And we are we're
3: opening three restaurants this year. So oh. we um Bye girls. Bye girls. Bye, girls. Goodbye girls. I'll see you soon. Um, we are opening three restaurants this year. Yeah, so when we grew in Mexico, we grew super fast, and it was a, um, a lot of fun, and we learned a lot of lessons. Um, and this time, I think it was, I was really, we were very conscious that we wouldn't grow as fast, and we would pay attention to the back end of the business, which um, um all the systems and the number crunching, because at the end of the day, that's really... Um, it's the only way you can... Uh, it's the only way extricate. that you can... Yes, yes, sustainably grow. Um, and so we've we're sort of I can't believe we're turning five this year, which seems wow. crazy in April. We Burger Burger will be five. Yeah, yeah. Um but we will be opening, yes, Christchurch in um, end of April. <laughs> it's potentially the beginning of May. Um <laughs> Mount Manganoi, so Tauranga in May, and then... Apparently
0: a real hub for great new food scene.
3: Yeah, yeah it's yes. all happening down in, in, down in doing Tauranga. In the bay oh, oh, of yeah. plenty, yes, and then Commercial Bay. So downtown Auckland will oh, be yeah, later huge. September, October potentially know The building, this. yeah. <laughs> How far behind <laughs> schedule are they? You they don't I mean, they've officially um, already postponed it by six months till September, so we're just waiting for an update currently.
0: When you're putting a subway beneath
2: your restaurant. Yes, yeah. the so metro's beneath the building, there's isn't a, there's
3: it? There's so. a lot of um, reinforcing going on. But um, it's it, all really exciting locations. Obviously, first time that we've left Auckland. Um, and downtown's pretty awesome because we're on level one on a corner and we kind of have sea views of the harbour, which is dreamy for a burger Amazing, joint in yeah. downtown Auckland.
5: It'll be a beautiful spot. I think it's going to be Commercial Bay will actually change the game, I think, for Auckland
3: um, particularly for the city lunch. workers for the lunch market, oh, yeah, city for city workers. But also tourism for us. Like yeah. I think I think like a big dream of mine I mean, our Burger Burger dream is two things, was to become the most loved hospitality brand in New Zealand. and Big goal. Yeah, just small They call boss. it a BHAG, a big, hairy, <laughs> audacious goal. <laughs> BHAG. Um, BHAG. And also BHAG. to be um, the most inspiring place to work um, for under-25s. Oh, so it's both cool. two big challenges yeah. ahead of us. Um, but the other big focus for me is that I would love to become part of brand New Zealand. I'm, I think that if... You know, we have such a massive tourism market, and if we can be somewhere that they can it's recognize to go in and experience what genuine um, New Zealand hospitality feels like and um, do that at a price that's accessible and do when we're in lots of locations, and I think that would be pretty awesome if they could go away and say, you know, I mean, we, as I said, we showcase, we have incredibly top quality. Meat, produce, yeah, produce. produce. We've just moved our fish supplier to um, a family out of Gisborne called East Rock, which is pretty exciting. They're pretty amazing, and their product is. Delicious.
5: I think Um, two things on that. Apparently, which I think is quite embarrassing at the moment. um, Cruise ships arrive in Auckland, and people just shimmy off the ships and start wandering aimlessly
2: up Queen Street. Well, I was Hmm. wondering exactly why you're saying uh, Commercial Bay would apply to tourists because to me it's very much central city. There's towers above it for sure, but we have a lot. Why would tourists go there? Loads. They get off the cruise ship before they go to Waikiki.
5: Yeah, loads of because people it's getting off downtown ship. Auckland. And if you imagine now just wandering up Queen Street like that is it's a huge. little bit difficult. What level will
2: you? What level will you be on though?
3: Just we'll one, on level one, one level one now. on the restaurant lane, but you can stand down on like next to the ferry building, and you'll be able to see us.
5: Right, it's already there. It was lit up actually when I went past at the weekend. Mm.
3: Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. So some H and M is opened. But nothing on the yeah. nothing, food. nothing,
5: nothing, yeah. on
3: the food.
0: Yeah, level as...
3: Just, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's a 240 room hotel going in above us. There's an office tower. There's you know, there's a huge is it Intercon huge amount, a amount of um,
5: boutique fancy one
3: huge amount of retail. I think another um,
5: another interesting thing about that part of town is that um, for some reason we haven't really been water-focused, whereas that's one of mm-hmm. Auckland's greatest assets. Yeah. So That's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, if you think I'll... about the way that retail's moving, hospitality's kind of following So everyone's moving towards the water, which makes a lot of sense.
0: We're Stewart. about to get kicked out of the studio, unfortunately, and we have the phone to go <laughs> too long, long, so it's nice to have a um, hard uh, cap on this week's podcast. But well, We've got three things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm I'm not sure if the Gilmore Girls read their notes that I sent.
3: I But we, we
0: have a little segment called Cook's Corner <laughs> We provide a simple uh, tip to our listeners yeah. on making their lives easier in the kitchen. So mm-hmm. I've got a couple today. One is peeling ginger with a spoon.
1: Mm-hmm. Teaspoon. A yeah. Mm. Wow. Wow. So
3: One of my favorites is, um, and I don't know if you've mentioned this before, but cutting slash crushing your garlic at the same time with no, the back side of one. your knife. God damn yes. you. Yes. I've got, I've quite a few people have asked me that recently when they've watched me cooking, they're like, um, do you know that your knife is around the wrong way? And I'm yeah. like, yes, but I'm cutting, I'm slicing and crushing at the same time. And it gets the skin off. And peeling.
1: Yeah. and peeling. And peeling. And mm-hmm. peeling. Yeah. Bugger like chopping it all. fine. Another one I had is,
0: it's a real favorite one for making the beetroot dip that I stole, um, from Mexico. Mm hmm is Ooh, wrapping good. your beetroots in tin foil mm. and roasting them yeah. and then mm. peeling off their skin. It just falls off yeah. like it's been yeah. sunburnt and you're taking off the um, yeah. the blister. And it, it takes a little bit of
5: time but it's not not
0: too bad off. if you um if you, if you roast it for a little while. And sometimes I love the dirty flavour of beetroot, but I think in, in a number of cases if you're putting it into a salad or making it into a dip, it really benefits from um that dirt
4: being Much peeled sweeter.
2: off, Being yeah. peeled off, and every time, just, you, all you get
0: is sweetness every time. Don't get alarmed if your poo is red, though. Don't forget you've been eating beetroot.
5: Always back to the toilet talk. There's a whole my, story my about uncle, it. My uncle, who's a GP and
0: who's is married to a GP, right, um, freaked out and went to A and E, and then he read halfway through <laughs> oh, his oh consultation. No. Oh God, I know where I've been.
2: Yeah. Well, there we are. My tip would be clean up as you go. Yeah, Train yourself one. from an early age everything you use just wash it put it away keep your de- keep your, keep your work surfaces clean and then you can sit down to your dinner and
0: praise yeah. be emerald
4: Milk. praise Millie, be Millie and also you.
3: one more sorry one more but i definitely am a true believer in investing in good quality everything from if you have good quality produce mm-hmm. to start with you're mm. going to have a better product at the end mm. Mm. um i'll never forget the day that Stephen's father, who is the ultimate bargain hunter and, um, <laughs> on all occasions, let alone um, with food, but um, ate some Louis Road creamery butter. And he was like, Memes, what is this? Yeah. And I was like, it That actually tastes like that that is that. real butter. Butter and... as it used to
2: be. Yeah. Well, I can,
0: it's, it's unfortunate for Mian's entry into the competition, but it's unsalted butter.
2: Uh, and, and oh, oh! Did, that, did they, they give us?
0: Un- they gave us unsalted. Yeah. I saw them doing it. I didn't want to. No,
2: no, no! But you did. But why would you want salted butter? I always like oh, things. No, no you don't. Yeah, know. No, no, no! You don't want salted butter. Have you read, have have you
0: read, read or watched Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat yet? Yeah. Anymore?
5: So what I would say to you: them Don't them want salt on it. I don't like salty food. Though I'm not a salty person. Pepper person. Emerald is from the era of. So the more delicate, um, unsalted flavors is the continental flavor. So that's mm. um, that's France and, mm. you know, the tarts, mm. and that's from that time, whereas mm. we are more accustomed to putting salt on everything to emphasize its flavor. So we like bold flavor, and I think that is a generational thing because I noticed that um, there was quite a lot of things that had less salt in them, the more traditional quiches and things that I would like. Um, at cooking school, and it's because it's that is mimicking Emerald mm. likes the continental flavors really? of open. I, I I'll never
0: a... forget sitting near Emerald at Burger Burger actually, <sighs> and um, she was yelling across the restaurant at Mimi <laughs> about the uh, broccoli with oh, almonds. Oh, not not too too Meme, very salty
4: <laughs> <laughs> in front of all the salty customers. Across
3: oh, the restaurant. Too yes. much salt. I actually had a cheese roll at Orphan's Kitchen this morning and I I just very distinctly remember thinking when I was eating it, this is perfectly Seasoned. It's so nice yeah. when you notice something. perfectly seasoned. one of the most delicious things I've eaten in a very those long good, time. good, those things. This is a
0: very beautiful segue because that can be Mimi's uh, contribution to the next segment, which mm. is the last meal. Mm-hmm. Recommending somewhere where you've been recently.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, Orphan's Kitchen. I'm there three mornings a week for breakfast. You
4: see? Nice.
0: Fish and Friends in Titarangi is the best fish and chips in the world. Former head chef of O'Connell Street Bistro. Mm. Wanted to give back to his community. Beautiful mm. fish. Yes. Fri- fish I mean Hand-cut Hand-cut mm-hmm. fries, <laughs> makes uh-huh. his own sausages. It's, uh, it's But you get to you get to dine in the bush. You can, visit oh, yeah. Simon. You can have
3: us all over, Simon. There you oh, go. See, what, what, I, will what girl, I will say is, what I will say is, God save
2: me from trick from overly clever menus and they make me lose the will to live. Hmm. Yeah, What's your favourite Emerald in Panao? Barulo. 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 Oh, yeah. Barulo. Barulo.
3: I'm obsessed
5: with Barulo. Haven't seen.
2: Sarah and Nico down at Barulo, f- formerly at Mixi- Maldito Malito oh, Mendes, Maldito Mendes, and Ponsonby Central. Yeah, her yeah. food is fantastic. Their, their food is delicious.
5: Oh, their cool. food is extremely impressive as well. Like, but- Emold and I had this delicious um, salad that had Brussels sprouts and onion and bacon in it, and then it had grapes in it. And I was, picked up the grape and I was like, "This grape's been peeled. <laughs> they peel grapes."
0: We're running out of time rapidly, Sorry. Sophie.
5: Um. I went, for only the second time in my life, to Cassia last week mm-hmm. um, for a family birthday dinner.
0: Was the first time my birthday?
5: Yes. Hmm. No. Okay, so I think I've been three times, but <laughs> I, yeah, for okay. some reason it just okay. doesn't okay. seem to be on, the, um, on my circuit of restaurants to go to, and I can tell you right now... The entrees came out and absolutely blew my mind. <laughs> Richard and I were looking at each other, sort of tearing, tearing. up because it was so delicious. It is wow. unreal. It's not super expensive. Mm. It was Wednesday evening. We sat down to eat at nine p.m. and the restaurant was full. Oh, it makes you good. makes you feel like you're in another
3: country. It's just yeah. such a beautiful human. They both are really. Yeah. They're just they're just such a genuinely
1: beautiful. And oh my, my God, are they doing a good
0: job. Go yes. back to episode one. Very beautiful interview with Sid and Chan Sarawak. Yep.
1: Mm. Simon's got a mouthful of hot cross buns. Is there. the next thing we're
5: doing discussing the hot cross bun, because you could do that with your
0: mouthful for something.
5: Can for
1: fun, I do my – um my? Yeah, go, go, Alice. Uh, so I went to a pop-up at Clooney last week, which was a fundraiser for mental health, mm. and it was the Illicit Project, which is Mitchell mm. Tate, a chef who used to be at Clooney, now is based in the UK, but he came back. And restaurant Chimera, which is Connor Merton's ex orphan's kitchen and his partner, Carly Black. And we ate lots of delicious things. I'm going to single out the dessert because it took me back to our bay leaf episode with Rosemary Dempsey. Oh.
4: Because
1: it was a bay leaf custard and it really, really, you could taste the bay leaf and it had like poached apricot, soft meringue, parsley oil. It was really nice because it was slightly savoury. Mm.
3: These but- a lemon and bay leaf. Um- Almost like a milk custard pudding in Anna Scott's, one of her books, which oh, yeah. I have been eyeing up for a very long time, and I think I'm going to make it now that So year
0: many it recipes that I eye up and never get around to cooking, I've got to make sure I do. Yeah. Mm. So the final thing we're going to do today is rate our hot cross bun. I was a big fan. I thought the, um, the orange was very pres- present, very nice texture, uh, lots of cinnamon. Mm.
5: I'm a big fan of... Um, toasted hot cross buns, and I didn't really miss the fact that that wasn't toasted. You did say it was warm, still fresh out of the oven.
0: So. When I got them, they were like, yeah, I had so to that's change the blocks in my hands. Mm. They were so hot. So
5: these are from Mian, and they've got, um you're right, I think that people have differing feelings about
0: the fruit in a hot cross bun. but Emerald's fruit is on the table. Orange, huh.
5: orange was um, a welcome addition for me.
1: Obviously not for mm. Emerald, Um and I thought it was great. I thought they were nice and light mm. and... But I, to be honest, I like quite a dense, dark, spicy Mm. hot cross bun. I was going to say that would be my feedback. mm. Is it maybe a little bit more? These are a crowd pleasing hot cross bun. I quite like a, you know, a a grown up sort of a hot cross bun. That Mm. and it
2: has been noted, I don't care for raisins and sultanas, which are a core cool component of hot cross buns. I, I think for me it's more too much peel, like too much orange.
3: You can get them. I like um, the orange. You can, I like the fruit. The SP. thing is, you can get them for all
5: different tastes. So you can get them with chocolate in them, you can get them without fruit in them. But it's only the really average sort of supermarket dense dry ones that do all the different jazz. So yeah. if you're going to have them from a good place, I think you just need to... Um,
3: Mm. You, know, Do you, oh, I'm you should me? I try the daily ones. bread ones they're oh, yeah, because they're interesting because they're I'll obviously be the a sourdough base. Yeah. So they're different again. Um, I'm pretty devoted to wild wheat hot cross buns, so I might bring my oh, yeah. of those oh, and we okay. could have it. I'd have to hot say the cross one bun one off. Battle. Yeah. The, the, good. the only thing about the daily bread one is that it was very hot when it went into the box and it sweated and kind of compressed on the bottom. So just be
4: careful. I mm. love the buns. Next episode,
0: and we didn't get to it. This time, but a very funny new food trend is hot cross bun flavoured everything. Um, we've had hot cross bun M&M's in the office this week. Really? And we've got some hot cross bun so ice cream. so yeah. unnecessary. We're going to have to eat it next time. Good Lord. We're about to be invaded by uh, our favourite feminist podcast, On the Rag. Woo. Ah. It's, it's, it's that <laughs> time that of month where uh, Leonie, hey. Michelle and Alex get together.
1: Emma stand for that. You'd. Contribute a lot of games, Cl- I'm more. sure. <laughs> and they've
0: just got a, a TV. They've just got a uh, internet TV, for- TV show as well. Oh, so for, for on the rag uh, web series. Yeah.
5: Wicked. Okay. Thank you, Tina. Thank for you, our, Tina. Um, Awesome production. Yes. And
0: thank you, Gilmore Girls, for coming in. That yeah, was really fun. You. Thank you very really cute so to well. have the
5: whole fam Lovely. here. Lovely. Thank you. Bye.
4: Bye.
1: Bye.
5: Yauda Etewi, Gyai Butler here, podcast manager at the spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our Mahi by signing up to become a
2: spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.